Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumble.org. You can't see this online, but you can see the big gray tarp over there. And a few of you have already asked me, what's behind that tarp? And you're going to have to wait until next week to see what's behind there. So next Sunday, we are beginning our Christmas sermon series uh, called Who Needs Christmas? And based on the font and what's said there, you can probably guess that it's going to be a Dr. Seuss-themed decor for Christmas. Um, so come back next week to see this place decorated, and it's going to, it's going to look really great. We're looking forward to starting our new series. Uh, how many of you have already decorated for Christmas? You've already done it. Raise your hands. Preposterous. Nonsense. Thanksgiving is on Thursday. You have jumped the gun. It's too early. You are like people who uh, put your blinker on too early. Nobody knows where you're turning, so it's just it's ridiculous that you've done that already. Uh, we will decorate here after Thanksgiving, and so when you come back next week, when it's appropriate, we will start getting ready for Christmas. Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, and speaking of a reality check, that some, which some of us need, uh, we've been looking at Psalm 103 for the past month. We've been uh, reading this psalm. It's a psalm of Thanksgiving, and this psalm is a reality check for David, he's, he's calling himself and he's calling us to stop looking down, to stop, to take our eyes off of ourselves and to look up and to see God and his glory and to remember all the benefits that come from following God. He's reminding himself and us who we are in relation to God and why that's a good thing. Because again, this is a psalm of thanksgiving. We've, we've taken chunks of Psalm 103 each week, and because this is the last sermon in this series, I want to start by reading the entire psalm um, to remind us of where we've been. We're going to focus on verses 15 through 18, but I want to read the entire psalm to begin our time. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. 
As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. So again, David is looking up. He's reminding himself, he's reminding us that we're small, that God is big, and that that is good news. And we see that in verses 15 through 18, all three of those elements. We see that our lives are temporary. God is eternal. And so we need to cling to him. That's good news. It's freedom for us that he loves us and cares for us, that we're small and he's big and he takes care of us. First, we see in verses 15 and 16 that we are small, that our lives are momentary. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. Last week, we looked at verses 6 through 14, uh, and David meditated on the idea that God is our Father and that He loves us, that he, sh- he loves to show us grace and mercy and compassion. David looked at the words of, of Moses back in Exodus when Moses saw God's glory and God said, The Lord, the Lord, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And David uh, ended that portion in verse 14 by saying, for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. So God as our father remembers how small we are, and that's good news. And so in verses 15 and 16, David expands on that idea. He, He meditates on the reality that we are small. So why would, why would he do that? Why would, why would he spend these two verses reminding us that we are like grass? I said that this is a psalm of thanksgiving, but that doesn't feel like good news. Hey, you're grass and you're going to blow away really quickly. Oh, thanks. Right? Why would, he, why would he remind us of that? Why is it so important for us to know that? The reason is that we forget we forget that we are small. We forget that our lives are momentary. Instead of looking up and having this healthy perspective of, of reality around us, instead of being able to put ourselves in our proper context, seeing God in his glory and, and us in our smallness, we forget that God is big and we just focus in on ourselves. We become nearsighted and, and we lose sight of our immediate surroundings. And so David wants to slow us down and and show us that. So he says that our days are like grass. There's there's this vivid picture here of of David saying that 
as humans, we, we sprout quickly, we, we bloom beautifully, but then we wither suddenly and we blow away and disappear forever. That's, that's the picture of, of the human life. In the scope of history, our lives are so small and so brief. Think about this. You have four grandparents, and you, you almost certainly, most of us know our grandparents. We, we have the opportunity to meet them. So you know your grandparents. You at least know their names, right? Uh, and you have eight great-grandparents. And I was thinking about this this week. I only ever met two of my great-grandparents, and I, I don't even know the name of all eight of them. So I need to talk to my parents and remind, be reminded of that. Uh, and then you have 16 great-great-grandparents. And I bet hardly any of you could name many of those 16 people that were your great-great-grandparents. And we have 32 great-great-great-grandparents. And you probably can't even find the record of those 32 people if you try, right? Those of you who are into genealogies and Ancestry.com, that's what you spend your evenings doing, right? Looking up those, those names. So in the span of just four or five generations, the vast majority of people are completely forgotten, right? We wither like grass and, our, and its place knows it no more, right? We're just, we're gone forever. And history keeps moving. And David wants to remind us of this and he wants us to know that it's, it's good news. So what happens if we forget that? What happens if we become nearsighted like I just mentioned a minute ago? If we lose perspective, if we forget that we are men and women of straw, then we are either going to be puffed up by pride and think too much of ourselves, or we're going to be brought down low into grief and despair. David wants to spare us from either of those happening. So what happens if we, if we get too puffed up? Verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. Humans are incredible, right? Humans are capable of incredible things. Men and women through history have, have achieved incredible works. They've, they've amassed great power and wealth and influence, Right? There, are, there are human beings alive today that are incredible people. They're incredibly powerful, incredibly popular, incredibly wealthy, incredibly influential. Humanity is able to achieve incredible things. That's good. That's by God's design. Right? He's created us under him as, as, uh, in his image as creators. Right? We, we get to make things and, and, and explore, and, and that's good. But that can quickly lead to pride and delusions of grandeur. Right? We, we do something, and we get puffed up about it. Right? Compared to these other straw men and women, I'm a pretty big deal. My pile of straw is the biggest. Right? So I must be something. And... We just lose all perspective. If you stare at yourself in a microscope, you're big, right? So if you have this microscopic view, you'll become bigger than you really are. You'll, you'll think you're more than you are. Uh, 
from the 1400s to the 1900s, I heard uh, this story that when they would crown a new pope, the, the ceremony when they would uh, do the papal coronation, there would be a processional where the, the pope would be, the new pope would be led in to the, the chamber where they would be made the pope. And during that processional, they would stop this new pope three separate times. And each time someone would stand in front of him with a little piece of straw, essentially a match, and they would burn that little piece of straw in front of him. So that, right, that, that match would burn in just a few seconds. And then they would say, thus passes the glory of the world to that pope. Right? And they did it three times to just drill it into his head. Listen, pal, you're about to be made the new pope and you're about to become one of the most powerful, influential people on the planet, but don't get a big head. It's going to pass away really quickly. You may think that you're a big deal today, but it's going to burn up like a matchstick. And so keep that perspective. David was a king. This would have been David's temptation. David could have looked around and said, look at me, look at all that I've accomplished, look at all that I've done, look at, look at this palace that I live in, look at all these people who love me and serve me. I must be a big deal. So, so David had to remind himself of this, and, and this is the temptation that we're prone to as well. Things go well for us, we get a promotion, we succeed, and we say, I must be a big deal. We attribute it to ourselves. We assume that it's going well for me, it's just always going to go well for me because I'm awesome. And this is a psalm of thanksgiving. It's really hard to give thanks when you're full of yourself, right? So David wants to say, listen, you're not that big a deal. You're just not. And so just remember that. So we can be puffed up by pride or we can be driven to despair. That's the, that's the other side of the coin. If we forget that our lives are short and that we are small, sometimes the, the troubles and difficulties of this world, they can be given more weight and, and, and more uh, thought than they should and, and that eventually is going to overwhelm us. In the same way that we take that microscope and we stare at ourselves and think we're big, we can take that microscope and we can point it at our problems and our problems can become just so overwhelming and big that we can't, we can't handle them. And honestly, this is where I've been living in this season. This has been my, uh, the thing that I've been prone to. I've, I've found myself focused on, on what's happening around me, on what's not going well, all the uncertainty, all the, all the tension around, and it just feels really big and heavy lately. And it's hard to be grateful when you are consumed with the negative, with the difficult, with the uncertain. That's the dynamic that Jesus speaks into in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Look at this language that Jesus uses in Matthew 6 and how he, again, brings up this idea of grass and flowers. Verse, Matthew 6, verses 28 through 34. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, we, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Look at how Jesus brings that perspective again. Yes, you have problems, but God will care for you in, in your problems. God promises to give us more than enough of himself. Jesus isn't promising here, I'll take away all your troubles. I'll make your life easy and comfortable. There'll be no problems. No, he's saying, I will be with you in your problems. I will meet you day by day. He promises to give us enough for each day. He puts those problems in their proper perspective. Jesus doesn't minimize our problems. He's not saying, listen, that's such a small problem. Don't even worry about it. Because he knows we're small. He knows that it's a big problem to us. He's not scoffing at us, but he's just giving us that perspective. And he's saying, hey, in light of my love for you, in light of the fact that I care for you, just, it's okay. Don't be anxious. Don't be fearful. I will meet you today. Seek my kingdom and I'll take care of the rest. So if we lose perspective, those problems get too big for us. We need to have that perspective. No matter what our problem is, our God is bigger and he's able to care for us. Which brings us to that second point. We are small and temporary, but God is eternal. Verse 17. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. David points out how small and temporary we are, and then he contrasts it with how big and eternal God is. We are men and women of straw. We're grass that blows away, but our God is a God of granite. Right? Scripture is filled with this language of God is our rock. We dry up and blow away, but he is eternal and remains. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. We've, we've spent a lot of time on this in the last few weeks. Think back to our Malachi sermon series, Malachi 3.6. For I am, I am the Lord, I do not change Therefore, you children of Jacob are not consumed. Because God is big, we don't have to worry, right? God is eternal. And we need to remind ourselves of this truth again and again and again and again and again. Yes, I'm small and weak, but the God who loves me, he's big and strong and he's as immovable as Mount Everest. So stop looking down, instead look up. See the steadfast love of the Lord. See that it's from everlasting to everlasting. And then that brings us into that third point. Because we're small and because God is big and eternal, let's grab onto him. 
Let's cling to him. Let's follow him. Let's, let's trust in him. In verse 17, it says that that steadfast love is for those who fear him. In verse 18, it's for, verse 18, it's for those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Those who trust in God, we benefit from the reality that God is eternal, that God is powerful and unmovable. Verse 17, where it says, those who fear him, that, that language pops up all throughout Scripture, the fear of the Lord. And there's always the question of what does it mean to fear God, right? Should I be afraid of him? Should I be scared of him? And we've, we've talked about this before. That's not what, what David is saying here. It's not about being scared of God. It's about giving him reverence. It's about taking God seriously. The biggest problem with humanity is that we make God small. We ignore him. We, we minimize him. We forget about him. We don't care about him. We don't listen to him. God just becomes light to us. Not a big deal. Optional. And that's not the God of Scripture. Right? And so the fear of the Lord is taking God seriously and saying, God is God and that matters. And I want to treat him like he's God. Right? You don't look at Mount Everest and say, eh, it's pretty nice. No, like Mount, you, you look at Mount Everest and your, your breath is taken away. I've never seen something this big. If you believe the Bible, the things you read about God in the Bible should take your breath away. He's big and glorious and good. He's worthy of every ounce of worship that you will ever give him. I've heard, I've heard people talk about this. One of the reasons that we do missions, one of the reasons that we go tell people about Jesus where they're not worshiping Jesus is because we look around and we say, hey, people aren't worshiping Jesus over there and he deserves to be worshiped. He is worthy of all praise. Let's go tell those people about Jesus so they start worshiping Jesus because that's what he deserves. Because he's so big and good and glorious. And that's good news for those who take him seriously. Those who fear the Lord. Makes me think of the picture in Psalm 63 verse 8. I love this verse. My soul clings to you your right hand upholds me. That's faith right there in a nutshell, right? So I have, I have a two-year-old, little Clara. Um, she's just this little peanut. And if she gets scared, what does she do? She runs to daddy, right? And normally she's scared because she's got two bigger brothers that are not treating her well, right? But when you've, you've all experienced this, right? A little toddler... When they get scared, they run to daddy, and what do they do? They grab on, right? Whatever they can get their hands on, they cling to you for dear life, right? And that's, that's what we do as believers. We run to God, we run to this big, strong God, and we just grab on with everything that we have. And that's good, we're called to do that. We're called to cling to him. But do you know what's even more important than us clinging to him? 
his right hand holding us up. So Clara can run to me and she can grab on and she can, she can hold on for a little bit, right? She'll, she'll, she'll grab on pretty tight and hold on. But the reason that she doesn't fall is because her daddy's holding her, not because she's holding on. It's because my arm is under her supporting her, right? It's because I'm big and strong, at least in relation to her, right? So, so daddy's holding her and that's why she's safe. Right? It's not because she's holding on to me, it's because daddy's holding on to her. And how much more is that true of our walk with Jesus? Right? We can hold on to him, but we're really not strong. We're really not going to be able to hold on very long. But it's him who's upholding us. It's his right hand that is grabbing us and keeping us forever Right? How long will God hold on to us in love? Only from everlasting to everlasting. That's it. Then he's done. Right? Only forever. Right? He's going to love us forever. And so feeling your weakness, and this is why this is good news. Feeling weak, but recognizing God's strength, is, that's where the good news is. That's, that's where we see, I'm weak, but God is strong and he loves me. He wants to hold on to me. When I cling to him, his right hand upholds me. So he says that the steadfast love is for those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. I've had several conversations with people where they say, I'm just really worried about the future. I'm worried about what this world's coming to. I'm worried about what we're going to leave our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids with. I'm just really worried about what's coming. And I get that, but it's going to be okay, right? We see right here, it will be okay. God will be good. God is faithful and righteous to you. You are experiencing that today. And he will be the same to the coming generations. He's not going to stop being who he is. God's righteousness is not just for you. It's for, the, it's for who comes after you as well. Think, think about it. David is, in this passage, David again is looking back at Exodus, at what God did through Moses hundreds of years ago. And that, that promise from God hundreds of years ago that he's faithful to a thousand generations and David says, yeah, he's still faithful today. The God of Moses is faithful to me, David says. And he says he's going to be faithful, he's going to be righteous to the children's children, right? So David is just looking a few decades into the future and trusting that God will continue to be faithful. And that was written a few millennia ago. David's looking several decades ahead, and here we are several millennia later, and it's the same God being faithful. We are recipients of the same goodness and mercy that David and Moses received. And so why would we think that that's going to stop with us? It's going to continue. His righteousness will be for our children's children. So we don't know what's coming, but we know that God will be there and he will be faithful to them just like he's been faithful to us. But, verse 18, we see this is only good news 
for those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. If you don't depend on the king, if you don't depend on the big rock that is God, you're grass and you're going you're gonna to float away. So it's, it's only for those who turn to God. If we surrender to him, if we place our trust in him, if, if we give ourselves to him in joyful obedience, then this is good news for us. The steadfast love of the Lord is for those who see their need, for those who repent of their attempts to build themselves up as big and strong and turn to Jesus to take care of them. Uh, Last passage that we're going to look at, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we straw men and women who are not weighty, who who aren't going to last, we grab on to Jesus and he holds us and our life is grafted into his life. We come under his care and he, he will keep us forever. Paul says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's security right there. That's, that's salvation. Again, that's saying I'm small, I'm weak, and I'm broken and sinful. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, make me yours. Turn to him in faith. And when we do that, our life is hidden in him. And then it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, Christ becomes our life, you will also appear with him in glory. Incredible that we who are nothing, we get to appear with Jesus in glory someday. So why should we be thankful this Thanksgiving? Especially in light of the fact that many of us, our plans have changed. We won't most of us won't be gathering with everyone that we normally would this Thanksgiving. So why, why should we be thankful? Why should we agree with Psalm 103? Because we're safe with Jesus this Thanksgiving. Because our life is wrapped up in his. Because he has set his love on us and he cares for us. Yes, we are straw, but our God is granite and he's holding on to us. Let's pray. Father, we we have nothing apart from you, but with you we have everything. We, We acknowledge our weakness. We acknowledge how small and how short our lives are. But we look to you as as our righteous rock, as our redeemer, and we give thanks. We give thanks that you are mindful of us, that you remember us, and that you hold on to us in love. Help us to trust you through Jesus. Amen.